0: Hello and welcome to Ask Dr. Jessica. I am your host, Dr. Jessica Hockman. I am delighted to introduce Dr. Drew Pinsky as today's guest. In addition to being a popular media doctor, Dr. Drew has also worked for many years as an addiction specialist. In my practice, I have noticed more and more teens feeling depressed and anxious. And with these feelings, I also notice a corresponding increase in alcohol and drug use. And parents just don't know what to do. So I asked Dr. Drew all of these questions because he has so much experience when it comes to alcohol and drug use. I feel fortunate to have Dr. Drew on Ask Dr. Jessica today so that we may all learn from his insights. Dr. Drew, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for coming on.
1: It is such a pleasure.
0: I know you have a background uh, in addiction medicine. Mm -hmm. How would you advise the parent to talk to their kids about staying away from alcohol?
1: There are various things you can do. Uh, one is to, of course, educate them about the you know adverse health outcomes. If you want to point at any adverse health outcome in adolescence and young adulthood, you find alcohol. You just find it there. It's just always part of the story. And so do you really want to take those kinds of risks? Is that, is that really what you want? Number one. Number two, know your family history and what the child's risk for addiction is. And educate them that earlier the exposure, the higher the probability that things will you know, that that disease can manifest; those genetics can can be made manifest. Uh, the earlier you're you're exposing yourself to substances, uh, and then I, I, I took some, you know, because I was dealing with people all the time that uh, whose kids were dying. I mean, I, I, you know, I dealt with very, very sick situations, very desperate situations and parents would rarely do what I told them to do uh, because it, it, it requires a certain amount of clarity (laughs) what you're doing. One easy thing to point at is, do I allow you to do any other illegal activities? Do, Do we allow illegal activities in my home? Do I allow you to go out and do anything illegal? Is there anything I allow you to do that's illegal? Well, guess what? This is also something I don't allow you to do. Just another the the realities. Yes, not fair. Blah blah blah. No, I'm sorry. The law is the law, and you're going to follow the law, and and I will make sure of it. I'll and and trust me. And this is the part that parents never do. If I need to call law enforcement, I will. That's it. It's you're breaking the law. I I will not tolerate that. Period. And that's the piece that. And by the way, and then I went I went further, and I said, and oh by the way if uh, another family thinks thinks it's a good idea to serve you alcohol or to break the law i will show up with the sheriffs and i'll be laughing my ass off on the grass while they haul their <laughs> ass away so that, that was my piece. <laughs> was the, my kids weren't invited to a lot of parties, unfortunately. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. So, so
0: the, you know how a lot of parents will say they they like sort of the European method or... Um, the, the European,
1: alcohol. that's that's false, false, false. <laughs> okay. the, the European method, look at the incidence of alcoholic liver disease and alcohol deaths in France and Italy. It is off the chain. It's crazy. That whole notion is categorically a, a myth and it's been disproven repeatedly. That What has been shown is that you can even take adolescent mice who have the genetic potential for addiction and exposure by essentially equivalent late childhood age increases the risk of of alcoholism, orders of magnitude. So the earlier the exposure, the worse the outcome. So don't, please. That is totally, completely a myth. And yes, they do do that and they pay dire consequences when families have that genetic potential. When they do not... Okay, maybe you can learn to moderate it. Whatever I, I, don't know what the laws are like there. I just don't allow legal. I just didn't allow legal activity for adolescents. I don't think that's a smart way to go.
0: Some parents leave and say, "Well, I want them to try it at home before they go to college. I want them to know not, their limits not, before they go."
1: No nonsense. Does it does not bear out in medical literature. If that were a good way to do it, I'd recommend it. I have no problem with it. I may have no, you know, it's like I'm like I'm offended or it's some philosophical problem. It just. Has bad outcomes. It's not good. And and the bigger, you know, again, I I you know I come from. I have a very um, specific point of view because I dealt with the sickest of the sick. I dealt with really serious situations where people were dying of these conditions, and I saw that kind of stuff over and over and over and over again. It was always there. The the number one place for a kid with a severe substance problem to be exposed to that substance, alcohol, cannabis is the home. That's the num- that's numero uno place. And if they're exposed, my experience, by age 12, you're going to be in big trouble if they have that genetics.
0: Wow. Okay. And what about marijuana? Did you see as much issues? And you know, I asked because marijuana is now legal and I feel like it's, it's more It's legal widespread. and
1: it's very potent and we're seeing a lot more problems. I've got family members in recovery from cannabis right now and uh, it was devastation for them.
0: Wow. Yep. So you take more of a strict approach because of your background. I, I actually appreciate you saying that.
1: Uh, it's not. It's not even strict. It's just evidence based. I just go with what what the data tells us, and it just. It, and and again, it's different in different genetic groupings, right? Uh, it, it's you know, the, if you do, have you have no history of mental illness in your family, no history of substance abuse, and your child is starting to push the boundaries, I think you can use education and parenting and consequences. But if uh, Grandpa was an alcoholic and Dad maybe had a little problem with pills, and you have a child that starts going. You're that's very serious now. You have to be very, very different with that.
0: And so you'd approach that kid with with clear boundaries. It sounds like clear, yeah, very,
1: very clear. A lot of clarity and a lot of education. That this is our family heritage, you know. And of course, you know, the addict, the addicts will always find a reason to use, even even in their burgeoning years. And so I thought early in my career, I thought, ah, oh, I'm going to go educate all these adolescents with this genetic potential. We're going to stop all this addiction. And what do you think the adolescent said back to me? Almost without exception, what? well there's a lot of screw you a lot of i don't want to hear you old man but but mo- the, the most shocking one was to me was this twisted thinking which was oh if i'm so screwed up already if i'm this screwed up genetic potential i'm just going to have a good time anyway like like this weird like oh if i'm such a mess i'm going to enjoy myself
0: and and in your experience when you when you treated addicts and most of them start in their younger years and most start cuz i think it's so fascinating the developing brain of a teenager
1: yeah, I, I wouldn't say that most start. I would say that if you start, you go, okay. then you got big. You, you know, if you if you have bad enough addiction, you know, I treated ten thousand addicts in, in my career, and we had a large freestanding psychiatric hospital facility. It was a, it was a psychiatric hospital with a, a drug unit within it, and I ran that drug unit for about twenty-five years, and twenty plus years, I guess it was. In addiction, you can never tell who's going to recover. You think you can. And you just—it's just—it's it, just hard to predict. And you see these miracles. I mean, the, the, they're just miracles in recovery. With the people I would not have thought would survive, and it just—it just gives you hope for all of them. And it just keeps you going. You just—you just get on to the next one. And and by the same token, I've seen people that I thought for sure were going to do fine, Pfft, not. It's hard. So it's have, very hard. So
0: I had a mom come in uh, last week, and she was saying that her daughter was sneaking off, and she's sure that she's using alcohol. How would you advise a mom like this? How old? A 16.
1: And driving on alcohol?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I hope she's not, but I know.
1: If she is, I would have her picked up by the cops. I would have her arrested, period, end, stop. I mean, full stop. That's that's what I would do. I would say, I've got it. And I would try, this is what I used to do a lot of, I would try to find a sympathetic judge around who would mandate treatment some kind of treatment for the kid and, and that that treatment is in place and they have to be, it's called like assisted outpatient treatment where they have to follow up as a condition of their, of their um, freedom, frankly. Uh, if it is uh, someone, does she have a family history? Is there a first degree relative with alcoholism or addiction?
0: Um, I, yes. The the father actually does have a history. Of yeah, alcohol.
1: Then I would be alcohol. this, I would bring it down hard. I, I would, I would, I would get a mental health professional involved. I think- I, I, and i would create real you the the mom is not going to be able to do this one on her own uh what i would strong i would first of all i would put the the child in the hands of a mental health professional because of the high probability that this is a, a more significant problem and then mom's got to go to a program called al anon where she gets a sponsor and has her own support because the the disease of of alcoholism and addiction is interpersonal it it takes advantage of everything all, all the the best things about the human experience addiction takes advantage of. So our reasoning, our emotional systems, our interpersonal conduct all gets sucked into this illness. I always tell people, did you ever see The Little Shop of Horrors? long time Musical? ago. Musical? <laughs> all right. So you remember the Audrey 2, the plant? Yes, of course. What happened if you went in the room with the plant?
0: You got eaten up.
1: You got eaten up. And that's it. Was a per, it's a perfect model for alcoholism. You go near the plant, you go in. No matter how much you know, no matter how good your intentions and all your great parenting instincts get get uh, subverted to the condition. So, so every every instinct you have will be wrong. So you need to have a. Al-Anon sponsor or a therapist of your own. You could use therapist also to be there with you in your corner going, no, 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 I I know you want to do that. Of course, if it were, this child didn't have alcoholism, that's what you would do, but not in this case. That's not how you do it. You have to, you have to stand here with me and I'll be here with you. And the only, the, this, the only, how did you stay out of the plant in the little shop of horrors?
0: I don't remember. Stay, I don't remember. You had
1: somebody pull you out. You had somebody else there. Perfect model for alcoholism and addiction. Uh, I
0: remember the song about Seymour. Suddenly, suddenly see more, see more. Right. <laughs> so okay so i remember when i was a kid my dad would have me taste whiskey you know i uh, in, mm. a, in a very lighthearted way once you take a sip and his mm. his thought was you'll taste it and you won't like it um mm. is that the wrong method
1: look you i, don't I have... can't yes it's the wrong method but it it. it it just, I'm just going with the data. You know, the first exposure is in the home, the earlier the exposure, the worse the outcome. And yeah, it might work, but, but uh, from an evidence-based perspective, I I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend that. I I think, I think what, what tends to work a little better is keeping things very structured. This is what we do. And I don't, again, I, what, what other illegal activity do I participate with you? Do I (laughs) offer you an illegal substance for your age group? I just don't do that. And it's such a clear, it's such a clear way to approach it. And everyone kind of understands that.
0: I'm curious, do you, did you, so you said alcohol almost all, Roads of addiction led back to alcohol. Are there any other? No, 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 no. no, no. What I said. I said
1: was all adverse health outcomes, behavioral health outcomes. So in terms of accidents, fights, unwanted sexual contact, STDs, pregnancies, um, you name it, you will find alcohol. You'll find alcohol in, in later adolescence and young adulthood, and maybe to some extent middle adolescence, but it's always, always, always alcohol there.
0: It's so interesting because it's so pervasive and so socially accepted.
1: Well, not only socially accepted, but endorsed by the college campuses. Now, recently, they've backed off of that because they realize there's a liability in this. Now, and they-
0: are there any other drugs that you can think of that parents should be aware of, other than
1: well, marijuana you know, data? obviously we're we're in the middle of an opioid ma- mess, and uh, benzodiazepines are alive and well. Uh, the kids are using them, and I, I guess the main thing that you should be frightened of is that it, almost anything they think they're taking could end up being fentanyl almost anything, cocaine, Xanax. I, I don't know about weed so much, but just about anything can be laced with fentanyl. And that could be a fatal experience easily, very easily. And so uh, I, I hope there is some um, deterrent in that. Uh, they, they, of course, you know, they, they're, they have magical ways of thinking at that age group. And until somebody around them dies, they, they don't believe that it could affect them.
0: I think this is helpful because as a parent, I'm thinking uh, I'm going to, My approach to how I talk to my kids, I think, will be different, to be honest, after hearing what you're saying.
1: You have to be super clear. Now, I remember, I I come from a certain (laughs) heritage and experience, but I would tell people all the time these sorts of stories in situations where they really needed to do this, and they wouldn't, and the kids would die. And that was it. it. It just, it can be very, this is, these are really dangerous things. These are major mental health issues. And the fact that we sort of... Treat it casually is a gigantic, gigantic mistake.
0: You know, honestly, when I think back, I've been in pediatric practice now over ten years, and when I think back to the few deaths, you know, thankfully that that we've seen uh, in our practice, uh, most have been related to to drinking, uh, of to, to drinking and of and, and drugs.
1: Yeah. Of course, it progresses. You cannot stop the progression if the relationship with the substance continues. Might be slow, might be fast, but this thing progresses. And it's it's awful. It's awful. It's a deadly condition. And it only takes the best and the brightest. And it's one of the other reasons I like working in the field. When kids when these folks recovered, they were fantastic people. But the disease turns them into somebody different. They into the Audrey too, the plant that eats people and everything around it.
0: That's so interesting. I wonder, I mean, do you have any idea how many successfully recovered?
1: From my program? Yes. We were, I, I, it's hard to tell because you, it, if you don't, it, it, it's an interesting thing. If you don't lose people to follow-ups, so we had a very elaborate alumni and aftercare plan and all kinds of stuff. And if we kept people with us, it was at least 50%, at least. These are very sick people. Um, but there certainly were a certain percentage we just would lose track of. That's the combo that kills.
0: Basically, after hearing you talk, I've decided uh, I'm going to keep my kids really busy doing lots of <laughs> activities, <laughs> That's a good idea. so they don't have time. So they don't idea. have time to
1: to uh yeah yeah that's drift. a good idea um, and, and again if, if there is going to be a substance issue this this is sort of the, the other way to think about it is the, the later it comes on the better so to speak right. I mean the, the the less the consequence and if you somebody in your family has alcoholism or addiction you in recovery can have a dramatic effect on your kids. And their relationship with substances and how that plays out.
0: I do think it's really important to talk to the teenagers because there's so much of the developing brain and potential for addiction. I I've read some figures like if, if kids start like adult smokers, ninety percent plus of them started before the age of eighteen. And I, so
1: you think, I I you know obviously I deal with a lot of tobacco smokers too, and and uh, I always ask them what age did you start, and if it's under sixteen, here you know what I tell them, right? <laughs> you will never be able to stop. You're just gonna, we're just going to give you the gum and the lozenges, I, no tobacco, but we're going to have to stay on nicotine because you will not be able to stop. Wow! And there's a lot of good evidence to that effect.
0: Yeah, the brain, the brain wiring in the young ages is, is really important.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, so now question about uh, kids going off to college. Um, mm. Tell me about this. Would be a good time to hear about your book. I'd love to hear about um, what you wrote about with your daughter Paulina, and yeah. if there's any advice I can give parents. Relating to your so
1: book. Uh, the book is good advice. It's called "It Doesn't Have to Be Awkward." It's it's a it's a way of talking about all kinds of uncomfortable things. And it was interesting to write it with my daughter, and we we got you know had an opportunity to talk about a lot of things we had not talked about, and maybe even thought we had but hadn't. And you know, I, it's a giant topic. We we took it all. We took the topic of consent and really broadened it out to the idea of how to have healthy relationships of all type. And we felt like uh, that was we felt like we did the job for for young people and it also gave parents a way to talk about these things now in terms of going off to college it's a little different um you know i i think one of the 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 important conversations that parents need to have with their child and with the institutions is the extremely high incidence of depression that first year at college Uh, One of the, uh, maybe 20 years ago or so, there was a tremendous problem with people not making it through their first year of college. And most schools, uh, and and by the way, if you didn't stay the first year, you were not likely to, to carry on at that institution. And most schools develop programs to help get kids through it, to keep them engaged, and to address the depression that is so common, leaving home for the first time, stress of school, new peer groups, God knows what's going on developmentally, <laughs> and, and and substances.
0: When teenagers are indulging and having alcohol, it's those consent yeah. lines get blurry. So I think your book would be really helpful.
1: Well, we make a point that if you're using, you can't consent. We just make it super clear. You you you're, you're you know if you get in, and the laws uh, you know back us up on this. I mean, essentially, if you can't drive a vehicle, you can't render consent. Right. That that is just that's in the law. Right. In California, at least, and, and a lot of other places have adopted that. And, uh, you know, get, I I get them really, it's so hard because they're just, they're going to do what you, I I always took the position that really the work was leading up to that. If you've done your work up to that point, it's, you know, you hope for the best. They are, they are on their own, but, but I, I would, you know, again, encourage and use counseling services. You know, if there's, if you have a depression, if you, if you lose control of substances, if you have an eating disorder. Don't be afraid to ask for help. These, these things happen and you should be at your liberty to, to raise your hand and say, I need some help here.
0: I think it's great what you're doing. I mean, I, I uh, all these conversations are so hard for parents to have with their children. So knowing that there's a mm. book that a teenager can read to help them understand what consent is for and when it's used yeah. is, is great. Yeah,
1: That's great. Yeah, we, t- we tried to take it out of the realm of uh, sort of medical legal, although that's in there in certain places. We, we really want it to be more pragmatic and about having good relationships and thriving, which is you know so much pressure on kids these days i i i I worry that we're in a new time with the covid and what it's done to kids and absolutely I, I just and and the economic stressors that they're facing and you know how to be hopeful about the future and how to pick a a a, a path it it's so confusing for young people i I just feel terrible for them so it's it's really about you know, uh, the it's the usual. After, you know, it's hungry, angry, lonely, tired. It's make sure you're eating tr- proper nutrition. You're getting exercise. You're with develop good relationships with peers who actually care about you. You sleep adequately. You create balance where you can. You limit substances, please, uh, and and try to just stay with the basics. And again, don't be afraid to ask for help if, if something is out of, out of hand.
0: That's really good advice. I like that. What's the acronym again? Mm-hmm. What'd you say?
1: Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. That's an old addiction uh, thing. It's like, uh, they have another one too. halt. What was that one? Oh, that's hungry, lonely, tired. Uh, the other one was fine, but I won't, I won't burden you with that one. That's got a few expletives in it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really appreciate it. Is there any, any other last minute advice you can think of for parents that are listening? Uh,
1: that none of us get it right. Perfect. You know, we're all just reduced to parent by our own children. Um, that it's it's a, a great it's a a great pleasure and it creates meaning in life like no nothing else does, but but it's not always joyous and it's hard and this is this is the thing that. Um, One of the mysteries of uh, human nature is that, you know, we, in spite of it being, you know, things, marital satisfaction and individual happiness goes down in early childhood years. It's not like it typically rises. It goes down. And again, during adolescence, it goes down. And yet, in spite of that, uh, those, those, the challenges, it is still the richest, most rewarding thing you will possibly do. And fundamentally- it gives life its meaning. You always can fall back on that. You can always like at least I've, I did my job as a parent. I reared a, a you know another human and who's engaging in the world. If they have medical problems or psychiatric problems, that's part of the human condition. Don't blame yourself for that. That just you hope they get they participate. And and by the way, there's another point about um, mental health issues. It's that you need. That I, I'm glad we I'm thinking about this. Your parents need to know the following. Treatment works. Mental health treatments are very effective. I think people have a sense that somehow they are not. Now, there is one caveat with that. If your child is participating and active in their own care, it's going to go very well. It may take time. It may be frustrating. There may be ups and downs, but treatment works, and when the child is is embracing the treatment, the outcomes tend to be very very good
0: don't they say you can you can lead a horse to water right but you can't you can't make them drink
1: yes and there was an old uh you know how many psychiatrists did it take to screw in a light bulb you know one but the light bulb has to want to be screwed in <laughs> and so and it's sort of in that i i would argue that we live in an age of motivational enhancement uh therapies and and ways of dealing with resistances that we didn't have before and so you know resistance is something that's scary because it's not, I I can't then say, it's going to go well, it's like it's scarier when there's resistance, it can still go quite well.
0: Dr. Drew, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It's been so nice to talk to you. Um, Good to see you as well. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode with Dr. Drew. I also have many wonderful guests lined up for future podcast episodes, so please make sure and subscribe to Ask Dr. Jessica so you know exactly when new episodes are released. Also, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review or share this episode because it is your support that really helps this podcast grow.